0: Hebrews chapter 13, and the first verse of Hebrews chapter 13 says this, and we'll talk about it for a few moments. Uh, it says, <clears throat> let brotherly love continue. Very simple, very straightforward. Let brotherly love continue. Now, the mark of the Christian church uh, is always and was intended to be that we love one another. Remember, Jesus said, by this shall all men know that ye, have, ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. And here we are in Hebrews chapter 13, uh, as the writer is closing it off, he's, he's giving out some some bullet points, if you like, commands. And one of them is, let brotherly love continue. And I can only imagine that uh, these people that were struggling with their doctrine, they were struggling with the reality of Christ, they were struggling with persecution, they were getting afraid at the edge. And their lives were maybe not as reflective of the love of Jesus as they should be. And he's saying to them, let brotherly love continue. Now, brotherly love is a Greek word adelphos, or <clears throat> and it's, it's got this to it. Uh, the word agape is about sacrificial giving, if we would take the heart of it. But <clears throat> the, the, the word <clears throat> philadelphos has this, the, the warm-hearted affection of brothers to each other. It's something that's warm, it's something that's nice, it's something that is us loving each other. And you know what I think? I think it's so easy for all of us to come to the place where we get frayed around the edges as far as love is concerned. Uh, the old, the, the old uh, saying goes, to dwell above, uh, <clears throat> with saints we love, well that will be grace and glory but to dwell below with saints we know. Now, that's a different story. And I think that can be so real to us that it can be difficult for us to live with each other uh, and to enjoy each other and to have that warm-hearted affection towards each other. And yet that's key to the gospel message in terms of us as a community. That there be this up. So, we're going to address it. We're going to look at it today. And we didn't need to watch our time because we got baptisms coming up. But we're going to look at it and we're going to try and tease our way through it and see what are the obstacles to that and what are the things that can help us with that. Um, Spurgeon said this uh, He said, Let it continue under all provocation and disappointments. Brotherly love is to continue under all provocation and disappointments. Now, that sounds not so nice, doesn't it? But that's what he's saying to these people. That's what the writer is saying to these people. He's saying, listen, I want brotherly love to continue. This is important. Mark this down. I want this brotherly love to continue in your lives. So he says, let brotherly love continue. Let's pray, and then we will uh, try and get our heads around what this means for us. Father, would you bless us and help us, we pray. Put your hand upon this room now, Lord. Blessed Spirit, would you uh, walk the aisles? Would you move between the chairs? Would you touch the hearts, Lord? Lord, I have no confidence that my words are going to be able to uh, break through people's lives. But Lord, I have every confidence that you, in your omnipotence, can take and can have us to see exactly what you want us to see today. Now, Blessed Spirit, would you come down and would you do your work in these few moments. In Jesus' precious name, amen. All right. So, uh, what are the things that hinder us from loving one another? Now, uh, one of the things that would hold us back from loving one another, there's probably a a host of things. I've written down uh, four things here, and we'll talk about these four things for a few moments, and then we'll get into looking at what this love would look like, what it would look like uh, in our lives. The the first thing we're going to find that hinders us from loving one another is self-love. We love ourselves. Now, Uh, you need to believe that you need to understand that about yourself that 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 you do love yourself it's not that kind of you're the special person uh that doesn't we all love ourselves in fact we're pretty good at loving ourselves right um most of the problems in our lives come from the fact that we love ourselves um and we need to understand that as true in my sin nature i love me and there's no more space for anybody else Now, thankfully, there's more to it than that. There's the Lord Jesus Christ breaking through it all uh, and touching our lives so that we can love and can give ourselves. But understand this. In my flesh dwelleth no good thing. Definitely not love. Without me, you can do nothing. We cannot do it apart from him. It's him. It's Jesus in us that enables us to love. So we've got to deal with this issue of self-love. And first of all, you've got to recognize it. How selfish you can be when it's just you and you're just looking at you. And there will be no love for the brethren. It just won't be there. Now, you might put a face on it. You might make it look good. You might love those people who do something for you. But it's not going to be the love that it's talking about here. There needs to be, we we need in a sense to get over ourselves if we're going to love somebody else. And we need to recognize that that's, that's there uh, for all of us. <clears throat> you know, um, our, 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 our children have a sin nature. Now, before I was saved, we had two children. And I won't tell you which of them it was, but um, my children educated me to the fact that children have a sin nature before I even understood what it meant. You see, I fully believed that if I didn't mess my kids up, they would be good. I fully believe that if I didn't do anything to, to, to make them... In fact, we both did. We, we believe that if we didn't mess our kids up, they'd do good. Boy, did we get educated. Do you know that babies can lie to you? How many of you have had a baby lie to you? <laughs> Isn't that amazing? These cute little bundles, you know, that look like butter wouldn't melt in their mouth, but they will pretend they're dying just because they want attention. I, I don't know. Nobody taught them that. that. That's in them, right? And, you know... When it comes to the sin nature, you still have it in you too. And it makes you by nature selfish. And you've got to recognize that and you've got to counter that in your life. And the only way for you to successfully counter that is by letting the Lord Jesus Christ have control. It's by abiding in Him, walking in the Spirit and letting the Spirit of Jesus flow through you to touch other people because you can't in and of yourself. And your your, your best efforts to love will... Be self-serving, apart from that. Secondly, though, I think this can get in the way of our loving one another, self-righteousness. You know, more and more, as I look at my own heart, and as I look at Scripture, and even as I look at life, self-righteousness is a big problem. Now, when we get saved, here's what happens. When we get saved, you know, we, we, we realize we were sinners, we realize we needed God to step in, God stepped in and saved us, and... Then we realize we couldn't do it by ourselves. He did it all for us. And then very often the next step is actually self-righteousness. In other words, the next step for me is very often this fact that I come to the place where I think I'm the good guys. I think I'm the good guys and the safe people are the good guys and the unsafe people are the bad guys. And we're trying to communicate our good guyism to them. That's not true. You know that we don't become the good guys because we get saved. Jesus was faced with the question, uh, and um, the, 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 the rich young ruler came to him, and he said to, said to him, good master. And Jesus stopped him, and he said to him, why callest thou me good? There is none good but God. And what's he saying there? He's saying, you know what? We're not the good guys. We're not good. And what happens is when we begin to think of ourselves as being the good guys, we get self-righteous. And do you realize that in the Bible, self-righteousness is, is a bigger problem than most other sins? You know, the Pharisees, <clears throat> they were righteous in their own minds. As far as Jesus was concerned, they were self-righteous. It was all about them and their righteousness. And do you, do you realize that, that, that um, <clears throat> wicked people, people they considered to be wicked, went into heaven and they didn't? And do you know what their barrier was? Their barrier was their self righteousness. And you know what becomes a barrier for us in the church? We become right, and everybody who doesn't measure up to what I think is right is wrong. And we can become so sectarian uh, in our hearts that we're cutting everybody else out because I'm right and everybody else is wrong. We're not the good guys, we don't have it all together. It's Jesus that has it all together. It's his power in us that changes everything. You see, what you're going to find in the church is differences of opinion. There are lots of things that we differ with lots of other people. Lots of other churches that have different opinion than we do. And it's very easy for us to come to the place where we say, oh, well, no, we're right, and they're all wrong. And what we end up doing is we end up getting self righteous and we end up getting hard, and we end up getting cold, and we end up becoming judges of the brethren, even within the church. What you'll find is you'll find that you know there's difference of opinion. Do you know? Do you know that um, God draws people from all walks of life and from all nationalities and from everywhere, and It's just reasonable that we would all have different opinions and different views of things and so on. But we can come to the place where we look at my view as being right and your view as being wrong. And we're going to be self-righteous about it. And our different opinions are going to get in the way of our loving one another. And think about this. I mean, in as much as, you know, Christianity does it. As much as we get to the place where we think we're right and other people are wrong. um, Does that ever override the law of love? No, because the law of love is basic, it's, it's key, it's the central issue, Jesus said. And yet, isn't it so easy in our hearts for it to override love? Isn't it so easy for us to come to the place where I'm right, and you're wrong, and therefore I don't need to love you? We need to be careful of that one, that, that, that one happens a lot. Uh, then there's a difference of gifts. Even in the church, there's a difference of gifts. You know, uh, one person gets one gift, another person gets another another gift. I'm constantly amazed at how administration and mercy conflict with each other. Because administration wants things organized and right and clear and black and white. Mercy wants to take care of the other person, whatever the cost. And the two gifts conflict all the time. And it's very easy for the person with administration to look at the person with uh, mercy uh, and and say, you're all wet, you're all wrong. And for the person who has mercy to look at the person who's administrative and say, you're all wrong. No, neither of them are all wrong. They're both gifts that are put in the church by God for the good of the church. And both gifts are actually essential. But do you know what happens, though? We become judges of each other so easily. We look on each other and we judge each other so easily. And scripture forbids that. Why do you judge your, bro- what, your brother? Why, why do you set it not your brother? There's one judge. Leave it to him. You're not supposed to be the judge of your brother. You're not supposed to be the one that's looking at your brother and thinking he's nothing because he doesn't see it your way. You see, I think we can be very self-righteous. And I am convinced Scripturally, that we, we tend more towards self-righteousness than we do uh, towards the broken heart, uh, you know, of the publican that went, you remember the, the, the Pharisee and the publican in the temple? One went in and came out untouched, and the other one went in and came out justified. Why? Because he was broken? I'm convinced that, that we're much more like the Pharisees than we are like the publican. And I need to recognize this I'm not. The, the righteousness is not in me. In fact, the Bible says this. The Bible says that Jesus is our righteousness. So that any righteousness I have is because of him. It's not by merit. It's not by me. It's not by what I've done. Any righteousness I have is because of Jesus doing in me. But the problem for me is that it is so very easy for me to grab it, make it mine, and I become self-righteous. And I begin to get proud And I think Christianity so easily breeds pride in its people when it's supposed to breed love in its people. We need not to be self-righteous. Number three, we need not to have self pity. If you're feeling sorry for yourself this morning, I guarantee you, you're not going to be uh, loving other people. You just can't. We talked about it in Sunday school, about the idea of it's not fair. Uh, I got a raw deal and people did me wrong. You know what? Yes, it's true. People did you wrong. People done all of us wrong. <clears throat> That's just the way life is. Uh, you, know, you live in a broken world with broken people, and you're a broken person. You know what? People are going to do you wrong, and you're going to do people wrong. That's just the way it is. That's just the way, the way life is. But do you know what? You have a Savior that loved you enough to die on a tree for you. You have not been done wrong. You have been loved in the most spectacular way it is possible for a human being to be loved and we need to get over self-pity because as long as we've got self-pity we're looking for somebody to fill my cup we're looking for somebody uh, to take care of me we're looking for somebody who's going to look out for me no you know what when i get rid of the self-pity and i let the love of the savior in now now i can overflow and i can give but I can't do it when I'm feeling self pity. Another thing we we, we do is uh, we look for self glory. We eye each other and we compete one with another, and we want to be better and look better than the other. And it's not supposed to be true of us. Do you, when you talk about the marks uh, of Jesus' life? You would, first of all you'd say love because he tells us that's it. But do you know the second mark you would see in the life of the Lord Jesus is humility. Never. Once does he sing his own praises. Never once does he hold out a placard saying, vote for Jesus, he's, he's the one. Never once. He's humble. He's so humble that when they put him on a cross, he opened not his mouth. He never even defended himself. Now that's our Savior. That's the one that loved us and gave himself for us. And <clears throat> Paul tells us that, that nothing is to be done uh, through uh, <clears throat> vain glory. Empty glory, looking for... And you know what? We do. We we look to be better than the other person. We, we, We look to be regarded more highly than the other person. And it just undercuts the love that God wants to have in the church. And you know what makes the church attractive? You know what makes the church of the Lord Jesus Christ attractive? Humanly speaking, it's the love... Between us, that makes it attractive. Humanly speaking, it's the love between us that actually draws people to Him. But it's so easy for us to let these things get between and come between us so that we don't love as we ought to. Now, let me look at quickly, we're going to go through these, what these verses say, and we're going to look quickly at what love would look like. And here's what I want you to do. As we look at it, you don't need to tell anybody. Uh, You don't need to walk the aisle or anything else. You just need to say, Lord, that's me. Would you please fix it? Just in your own heart between you. Don't even wait till the end. Don't let it pile up. As you see something that he's he's pointing out to you and he's saying, listen, you know what? This is not right in your life. Just in your heart say, Lord, that's me. Would you fix it? Because I can't. All right? Okay. Uh, James two fifteen and 16. And if a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto them, Depart in peace, be warmed and filled, notwithstanding ye give them not those things which are needful to the body, what doth it profit? What's it talking about there? It's talking about somebody who has a need, and they come to you with their need, and, and you're all nice and, you know, sympathetic and uh, encouraging to them, but you do nothing about the need, and you could you could do something about the need. He says, love takes care of each other. Love takes care of each other. We're supposed to take care of each other. We're supposed to meet the needs in each other's lives. We're supposed to want to do that, to take care of each other and meet needs uh, in each other's lives. Very simple, very straightforward. And the question would be, are you? Are you? When you hear of a need... Do you reach out and try and help that need? Or do you let something get in the way of that and you stifle the love that should be there? All right, second one. Romans twelve thirteen. Rejoice with them that do rejoice and weep with them that weep. Now, what are we talking about here? Um, we're supposed to comfort one another in sorrow. We're supposed to rejoice with each other. Do, do you know there's no competition in the Church of the Living God? think about this. I mean, um, I have heard this said about the Nigerian team, right? So you're going to have to forgive me if I say this, right? But yeah, I've heard this said about the Nigerian football team, that the Nigerian football team has excellent footballers, some of the best in the world, right? But they can never win because they compete against each other. Now, is that, is that a fair thing to say? Now, the Kenyans can't laugh at the Nigerians. <laughs> uh, but, but the Nigerian. They have fabulous footballers, but they can never get it together in terms of because they, they compete. Whoever gets the ball wants the ball. And you've seen that in football teams uh, where uh, there's a competition going on. And you think, hang on a minute. You're on the same team. What in goodness name are you competing with each other for? Right? You know what can be the same in the church? We're on the same team. And by the way, the church here and the church at large, we're on the same team. In the the end, it's not going to be the life life gate section of heaven and all the other uh, churches' sections. It's just going to be heaven. We're all going to be there. We're on the same team when it comes down to it. Why would we compete with each other? Why would we as a people compete with each other? If somebody else is blessed, aren't you blessed? If somebody else is hurting in the church, aren't you hurting with them? You see, we're supposed to rejoice With them that do rejoice, and we're supposed to weep with them uh, that weep. Brotherly love comforts in sorrow and rejoices in rejoicing. Supposed question here would be, do you compete with each other? Do you compete with each other in some ways? And, uh, you know, are are you looking at other people as people that you have to kind of keep even with or try and get above, or are you looking at your brothers and sisters as... Your brothers and sisters, we're all on the same team. Praise God. If they win, I win. And if they're hurting, then I'm hurting too. Brotherly love comforts in sorrow and rejoices uh, in rejoicing. First Peter 4.8 says this, And above all things, have fervent charity among yourselves, for charity shall cover the multitude of sins. Let me let me say this to you. Some people are getting baptized and going to join the church today, right? I, ha- I have to be honest with you people that are joining the church today, right? Uh, Lifegate Bible Baptist Church is full of sinners. All right? We all get it wrong. Uh, we don 't get it all right? None of us do. We all get it wrong don't Christine don 't leave because I said that okay <laughs> We get it wrong, right And um, here 's the thing: if you 're going to stay a member of any church anywhere on this planet you 're going to have to learn the power of this verse. And above all things have fervent charity, that's love, agape love, among yourselves. For love covers the multitude of sins. Do you know what? You're going to get offended against, you're going to get hurt, people are going to do you wrong, and not intentionally most of the time. And sometimes you're going to sort it out because you need to get it sorted out, but sometimes you're just going to say, look, it doesn't matter, it's okay. And you're just going to let love cover the multitude of sins. If you take issue with everything, every time you get hurt, and every time somebody uh, apparently does you wrong, you're going to be taking issue with a whole bunch of stuff, and you're going to spend a lot of time, a lot of energy, and a lot of your life doing it. You know what? Love covers the multitude of sins. Brotherly love forgives all wrongs. So let's go. That's letting it go, releasing it, letting it go. You're not going to hold on to wrongs. You're not going to hold on to grudges. Uh, do you have a grudge against somebody here? Somebody here done you wrong and you've not been able to let it go and you've got a grudge in your heart against them. You can't love if you got holding that grudge. You've got to let it go. You say, but they're not sorry. Look, uh, there are things that you should go to somebody with and you should say, look, there's, there's this issue and it's hurt me. And I, I, would, I would encourage you to do that. It's amazing how often when you up front with somebody about what's hurting you, you find that they never intended to hurt you at all. And as much as they're able, they're going, they're going to take the thorns of that hurt out of you. Go to them. Talk to them about it. But you know, whatever you do, you've got to let it go. Don't hold on to it. Because you can't love if there's a hurt, if there's a pain that's stuck in your heart that, that you're not letting go of. You, you need to let go of that. First um, Peter 3, 8 and 9. Finally, be all of one mind, having compassion one on another. Uh, love as brethren, be pitiful, be courteous, not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing, but contrarywise, blessing, knowing that ye are there unto call, that ye should inherit uh, a blessing. Right? <clears throat> what we're supposed to do here is we're supposed to look at each other and have compassion one another. Don't you love it when, when there's somebody you can trust which are false and they don't condemn you? Aren't they precious people in your life? Precious and, and if you and for... We're supposed to look at each other like that. We're supposed to condemn each other. Now, yes, we need to deal with sin. We need to deal with sin as a church. Those things are important. But you know what? We need to have compassion one on another. We need to love as brethren. We need to be pitiful. That means we need to have that pity in our hearts for each other. Because you know what? You get it wrong. And they get it wrong you need to have compassion and be pitiful in it, right? Um, uh, Not rendering evil for evil. Do you harbor ill in your heart towards someone? Because they did you wrong. You want to do them wrong as well? Now, I know you're a Christian and I know you've been hurt. Uh, I understand that. and, And we never want to admit, but sometimes we just love it if they got their comeuppance. Listen, that's wrong. That will kill the love for one another. If you hold on to those things in your heart, uh, if you don't let those things go, if, 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 if you want somebody else to hurt, it's going to kill the love. Let me say this to you too. Do you, do you know sometimes the hardest people to love are the people closest to us? Isn't that funny, isn't it? But it's true. The people that we live with, the people that we see all the time, the people whose faults we're uh, so constantly aware of, they can be the hardest people for us to love. What, is, what does God say to us there? He says, no, no, listen, don't, don't wish ill on them. You've got to get rid of that. You've you got to remove that from your heart. So here's our point. Brotherly love refuses to harm each other. Is there in your heart a desire to hurt somebody or to see them hurt. you got to get rid of that. Just don't do that. Don't let that in. That, that, that shouldn't be part of your life. You're going to say, but how do I do that? It's there. Lord, it's sin. It's wrong. Please take it away. Do you know what you can't do? He can do. What you're not able to do, He's committed to doing. But He wants you to be willing and He wants you to come to Him and say, Lord... I can't. Would you do it? Would you take it away? Philippians 2, 1 and 2. If they be there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, and of course there is. Does Christianity count? Of course it does. Does it change your life? Of course it does. Does it affect you? Yes, it does. Right? If, if those things are true, he says, then... <clears throat> Uh, If there be any bowels and mercies, then he says, Fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and of one mind. You know, Paul is writing here, there's two ladies in the church and they're they're going at it, they're fighting. Uh, They're going at it and they're they're causing trouble in the church. And Paul is writing this letter and he's saying, Look, if Christianity counts at all, then will you please be like-minded? Will you give up fighting with each other and have the same mind? Now, doesn't that seem impossible for us sometimes? Because we're so different. But do you know this, that what we have in common is much greater than what we, than the differences we have? Do we have the Lord Jesus Christ in common? That we're children of one family, Now, don't get frightened when I say this, but we're going to spend eternity together. And we're going to spend eternity together with the people that you're not getting along with right now. Now, what are you going to do about that? What you've got to do is you've got to rise above the differences and recognize recognize the reality that we have much more in common than we have difference. And you've got to be like-minded. You've got to let God, do a work in your heart where we're like-minded. Because we can't be all little factions in the church. And we can't all judge each other and expect everybody else to be like you or me. We're all different. We've got to rise above the differences and come to the place where we say, now, hang on a minute. We can be like-minded. Some of the important things we see in Scripture is this issue of unity, isn't it? And they were all together with one accord and the Holy Spirit came. I, you know that the Holy Spirit is hindered by the lack of unity amongst his people he can't do all he wants to do because we won't be like-minded It's not can't it's we won't be like minded we won't lift above the petty differences and come to the place where we have the same mind and the same heart And we need the Holy Spirit to do his work. Ireland will never be reached apart from the Spirit of God doing a great thing. And I do not want in any way to hinder that. But there needs to be a unity. We need to rise above the differences and let there be a unity. Brotherly love is united. There's a unity there. James 2, nine says, But if you have respect to persons, you commit sin and are convinced of the law as transgressors. Now, what's he talking about? He's talking about the idea of us uh, treating uh, people, you know, people we like one way and then uh, treating o- other people in a different way, that we make some people more important. Uh, the picture biblically would be, you know, to feast, you, you, you kind of get uh, some people to come up and sit beside you and you put other people all far away because, you know, <clears throat> Some people are more pleasing to you than other people for whatever reason. Maybe they're wealthy, maybe, maybe, whatever reason. They're more pleasing to you than other people. And that's wrong. Now, look, I, I get it. I understand. You're going to have people that you're closer to than other people. But if you have a certain little section of the church, that those are the people you love. And the other people, well, you hold them at arm's length, and you don't like them, and you know they're different to you, and you don't want to be around them. What you're doing is you're you're hurting something that's very important to God. God wants you to be impartial in your love. So, what does that translate like? It means that you can love everybody. You say, Oh, but such and such a person? He's got bad breath. Such and such a person, they, they just, every time they open their mouth, they say something that annoys me. Do you, do you think it might not be an accident that those people are in your life? Do you think it might not be an accident that those people are in your home? Do you think that God might have put them there on purpose? And do you think the purpose might be, at least in part, for you to love them? For you, you to learn to overcome yourself and, and to love them? I think the men's home is a wonderful place. I, I kind of smile at you guys sometimes because I think, you know, here you got, Uh, 17 guys at times, all living in the same house, and I think that must be heaven. Not really. (laughs) Uh, You know, and I think, you know what? A huge part of the program in the men's home is just learning to get along with all these guys that are different and looking at things differently and so on. And you know what? That love is what will get you through. Not your love, but you recognize, and I can't, and that in the Spirit of God... Work in your heart to love other people. The same is true in your home and in my home. Love is the principle. The same is true in the church at large. Love is the principle that's going to help us uh, to get through. Romans 13. Um, O no man anything but to love one another. For he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law... For this thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, thou shalt not covet, and if there be any other commandment, it is briefly comprehended in this saying, namely, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Love worketh no ill to his neighbor, therefore love is the fulfilling of the law. Do you know that if you and I are truly righteous, it's going to manifest itself in love? it's not going to manifest itself in self-righteousness. It's going to manifest itself in love. The the, the, the more righteous I am, the more I'm going to be able to love. I mean, this is rich. This is really rich. If If you and I want a measuring stick to measure where we are, Spiritually, or in our walk with God, this is our measuring stick. There's no other. You know, you can't measure it by what you know. You can't measure it by how many verses of the scripture you have memorized. You can't measure it by the things you do, although I think the things you do are obviously going to be very important. You're going to have to measure it by the fact that you can love others. And if you're going to grow in righteousness and grow in faith, doesn't it make sense that you're going to be able to love greater? You're going to be able to love more? You see, <clears throat> this whole issue becomes huge. If I'm going to be righteous, I'm going to have to love. Now, you know what? If I don't love, we're going to read it in a second. All my righteousness doesn't matter. If I don't love, the rest of it doesn't count. The rest of it's a non-issue as far as God is concerned. Brotherly love does not covet. Brotherly love wants the best for others. Brotherly love uh, becomes the mark of my righteousness. Romans 12, 9, let love be without dissimulation. That word there means without hypocrisy. Do you ever have somebody tell you they loved you? And you, no, no, you don't. <laughs> uh, no, you're not so, it's not supposed to be that way, which means we can't fake it. We're not to pretend, you know, because you might be saying, "Okay, okay, well, I'll, I'll, I'll just tell them, I, tell them I love them anyway." No, no, you can't fake it. It has to be real, brother. Let, let love be without dissimulation. Abhor that which is evil, and cleave to that which is good. Do you know that real love hates evil? So many times I've had people tell me they did something and it was because they loved somebody. And, and I said to them, but that was wrong what you did. That is not love. If it's wrong, it's not love. We don't understand that. It you know, doesn't matter how you feel about it. If it's wrong, it's not love. You know, <clears throat> uh, uh, Brotherly love hates evil. Brotherly love wants to lift people up into righteousness. But it's love. Now understand it. It's a different thing than judgment. It's me loving somebody and wanting to lift them up and wanting to help them. But it hates evil. Brotherly love not going to be okay. We're wrong. But it's not about me judging them. It's about me loving them and helping them to see and to do right. Isn't that what Jesus did for you? I mean, if Jesus had come down with, <clears throat> with the hammer of judgment in your life, And he could definitely have done it and justifiably have done it. He would have sent you running, wouldn't he? Wouldn't it? But he didn't, did he? He came down with the open arms of love. And he loved you into righteousness. And you know what? If we're going to see other people do right, we have to hate evil. We have to say, you know, this is wrong. Our love never causes us to cross the line into doing wrong to keep somebody happy. That's just not love. Love hates evil. Then 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through eight, and this, this is we, we, we finish with this. Um, Though I speak with the tongue of man and of angels and have not charity, I am become a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. Empty, empty, empty. Apart from love. It's all empty. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have faith so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. Isn't that very harsh? I think he's making a point, isn't he? I think he's saying that if I don't have love, the rest of it doesn't count. And not just doesn't count, I'm nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. You say, really? He wouldn't have written it there if it wasn't true. You know, it's not about what we give and and, and what we do alone. If 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 we don't have love, then it profits us nothing. Charity suffereth long And is kind. Are you long suffering and kind while you're being long suffering? Charity suffers long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Do you look at what other people have, their blessings, their gifts, and envy them? Love doesn't do that. That, 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 That'll get in your way, that'll trip you up, that'll hinder you. Charity vaunteth not itself. Seeketh not her own, doesn't put itself forward. Love doesn't say, hey, look at me, I'm, I'm the one. It just doesn't do that. Um, it's not puffed up, it's not proud. It doth not behave itself unseemly, it behaves appropriately. Seeketh not her own, is not out for number one, is not easily provoked, doesn't get riled and angry and aggressive at every opportunity. Thinketh no evil. Rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth. Beareth all things. Believeth all things. Don't, don't you love it when somebody believes in you? Doesn't it just do something good to you when somebody believes in you? kind of makes you want to live up to what they believe in you about, doesn't it? And you know, when somebody doesn't believe, when somebody chooses to believe the wrong and the bad about you, doesn't it crush something inside of you? Love believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love hangs in there with people. I get it. I understand there's a time when you need to let go in somebody's life. There's a time when they refuse and reject and they don't want. But you know what? That's the last option. You love and you hope and you hang in there for as long as you possibly can. Because that's love. Um, Charity never fails. Love never fails. But whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. But love. When you and I get to heaven, we're not going to be asked about all the gifts we had and what we did with them and how we used them out. But we are going to be asked, did you love? Was it real? Because all the rest of it gets manifested in the fact that we love. And if we don't, we fail. But nobody here needs to fail. Because God didn't leave you and I on this planet just to surfer and struggle with our inadequacy. He is our sufficiency. The Lord Jesus Christ is love. And if you abide in him and he in you, what's going to happen is his love is going to flow through you and out into the world and draw people to him. Let brotherly love continue. It starts here and it'll flow much further than here. But let brotherly love continue. Is there something that you need to get right between you and God because of the fact that there's someone you don't love and haven't loved the way you should. Then get it right with God first. You, you may need to go with that to them. You may not need to go to them. Sometimes you can just hurt people by exposing uh, what was in your heart that shouldn't have been there in the first place and I'm not sure that's a good idea. But if there's someone that you need to love, somebody maybe that you know in your heart you've been holding out on, would you make it right with God? We're going to stand and we'll pray and we'll let the Spirit of God work in your hearts and you just do business with Him. And if somebody's hurting because of what you did, then by all means, let them off the hook, tell them, clear it for them. But you know what? We need to love one another. It's bare, basic, bottom line Christianity and because of him, it works. That's that.